Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ahoy Mets fans, welcome to episode 283 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore, thank you for joining us for this very special Brandon Nimmo appreciation episode. So as you know, the Mets have had a rough week, and uh, we're kind of tired of talking about sad stuff, so we thought we'd talk about everybody's favorite Met, Brandon Nimmo. He's a delight to watch play because he's a good player, because he seems like a really good guy, and it seems like he's having just so much fun. So we have a whole episode dedicated to Brandon Nimmo, and uh, first up, we are going to hear my conversation with Rob Wolf and Chris McShane about uh, Nimmo sort of as a player and how our expectations have changed. Then Allison McCaig welcomes a special guest on the show, a noted Brandon Nimmo fan and Twitter Mets uh, personality? I don't know what we're calling it. A noted member of Mets Twitter. Talk about Brandon Nimmo. And uh, finally, Steve Seip is going to talk about a little bit of the difference between Nimmo's sort of initial scouting report versus who he's become. So we have a Nimmo-themed show for you. Stay tuned. Uh, tomorrow or later today, whenever you listen to this, we're going to have a special mini-episode by Steve Seip about the draft coming up on Monday. 
just sort of a little bit of draft history and maybe sort of who the Mets are going after. Just, you know, a sort of draft preview as well as a little bit of a minor league update uh, for the last week. And then next week's show, we're going to have a big recap on the draft with Steve and possibly some other Amazing Avenue folks. So um, enjoy. And uh, here is some fun Nemo stuff because what else are we going to do? Right? Here you go. Enjoy. Well, we have a, a special guest tonight, a, uh, a Amazing Avenue contributor, uh, I believe predating my time on Amazing Avenue. Uh, we have met up at a number of ARGs and games, and it's great to finally have him on the show. So joining Chris and myself is our pal Rob Wolf. Hello, Rob. Hey, hey, Brian. Hey, hey Chris. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I, do I really predate you? I'm not so sure. Sh- oh, um, okay. <laughs> Maybe. I, 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 feel, I think. I feel like I, you do. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I my my guess. I, I would I would guess no, but it's definitely possible. <laughs> I joined up uh, end of the 2014 season. Yeah, no, you definitely predate me. You, you got me by yeah, like a year, I think at least. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I could be wrong about that. It could be 2015. I, I, just, I just lurk about, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is riveting radio for, the, for our <laughs> listeners. Um, but anyway, we are, uh, as you heard in the intro, this show is all Brandon Nimmo all the time. Mm-hmm. We are going to be celebrating everyone's favorite uh, smile, everyone's favorite leadoff hitter, everyone's favorite didn't play high school baseball, but got drafted in the first round anyway guy. Uh, so let's just, I guess, start with how surprised are you at how good Brandon Nimmo is right now? And Rob, since you're, uh, the, the guest here, why don't we let you start? How surprised are you that Nimmo is this good right now? I mean, this good, like, you know, what is it? 950, 955 <laughs> OPS, uh, a little, little surprised at this good. Uh, you know, as I kind of said to you earlier, I, I thought he was deserving of a chance. I, I know, uh, you know, I mean, you know, if I had the, oh, the, the Wilpons will spend aimlessly, I probably would have gone for the Lorenzo Kane killer C's outfield and, you know, buried Nimmo in that fourth outfield spot uh, or fifth, if, you know, depending on how Ligaris looked. But, I mean, I thought I thought he showed a lot uh, last year. I know the competition's not great at the end of the year, but, uh, you know, I thought he looked good enough, you know, as if, if you're going to suck, suck young and, you know, with players who might develop and, you know, that one skill, that, that eye, that on base percentage is you know such a prized skill it, across baseball. It seemed kind of short sighted to be like, well, he can't develop further. He can't, uh, you know, that, that I feel like that's such a great building block that I was I was excited to see what he could do. I didn't think it would be this this quickly but um and you know as you said i, I yeah, I'll, I'll stop rambling but as, as you said like the leadoff thing is such a great thing too that i feel like the mets have lacked for quite a while and you know even when it didn't look like there was a position for him like the the idea of him leading off with the lineup that with an opening day 2017 looked like such a great fit and the fact that he's exceeding expectations is just a delight <laughs> Yeah, before Chris jumps in, I just want to say, Rob and I were talking before the show started about uh, about Nimmo as a leadoff hitter and how important that is. And I am I am not a traditional, you need, like, I mean, obviously every team wants Ricky Henderson leading off, right? <laughs> but I do not think that leadoff, that the leadoff position is the most important thing in constructing a baseball team. And so, 
lots of folks like, for instance, my dad and my father-in-law who like to tell me how wrong I am about the Mets all the time. They have been saying for years the Mets need a leadoff hitter. And while I'm not conceding defeat to them, it is certainly nice that the Mets have somebody who is doing very well in the leadoff position. Uh, Chris, are, are you surprised that Nimmo is this good right now? Uh, okay, so saying just no would be a little ridiculous, right? Sure. Uh, but not shocked that he's been a really good major league contributor. And I, so I don't know. There's this overarching theme in uh, baseball lately that's kind of messing with my head. I, I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, either on the show or out there listening. Guys are changing what they do quickly and then continuing to do it. Um, you know, the infamous example from our end is Daniel Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe also Justin Turner. But you have guys coming out and just, like, all of a sudden, oh, this guy's doing something for a month or two, and then it develops into a year, and then you go, oh, I don't know if he can do that again, and he does it again, and maybe even a little bit better. Um, you know, you... you <laughs> That that seems to be happening. I could be wrong. It may not be happening as often as I feel like it is. But because of that, because I've had a tendency to uh, maybe underrate guys because they did something good in in a short span of time, um, I'm trying to come around to the idea that a guy can change and uh, maybe sustain something. So with all of that said... You know, Nimmo's 2017 was solid. Uh, it was only 215 plate appearances, but he came up. He was a better than league average hitter. Um, you know, by a decent amount on, on FanGraphs and Baseball Reference. So, you know, the way he did it, uh, it, it kind of was his reputation that he, you know, had developed from really from day one, as you referenced, and then, um, you know coming up through the minors so all of that said uh, i'm not shocked i'm I'm very very happy uh but you know i i would have never said oh he'll be the mess uh the mets best hitter this year but i'm also i'm not surprised that he's good yeah um I, I think I, I try and keep a relatively open mind when it comes to baseball things. I try and trust the people who I trust, but I try and use my eyes also. And I am no scout. I would never claim to have a single shred of scouting talent whatsoever. So do not take this as I know better than scouts. That's not what I mean. But I had heard for a couple of years after Nemo was drafted that he was, you know, not going to amount to much more than, as Rob put it, you know, a fourth outfielder that he was, at best, a guy who would have, you know, a middling major league career, and that was it. When he first came up, and he showed, you know, um, he started to show, you know, the on-base skill, he started to show a little bit of power, he showed a decent, you know, feel for the outfield, even though, you know, we had been told, again, he was never going to stick a center field, it wasn't going to be a thing. When he started to, to sort of shake those things, I thought, well... Am I just being optimistic because of a small sample size, or again, as Rob said, you know, it's the end of the season, so you know how much does how much is this competition really challenging him? 
I just kept looking for reasons why I was wrong and what I was seeing. But if I just if I didn't read, you know, insert uh, prospect writer here about Nimmo, I think I would have been a believer earlier on. But I think because I sort of put a lot of faith in voices who who are granted are right most of the time, or who are, or who are certainly right more than they are wrong. Because I trusted those guys over my own eyes, I think I'm more surprised than I would have been if I had just, you know, observed him myself. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's, yeah, like, I mean, when you're looking at, yeah, like, it's like, I don't know, prepping for fantasy baseball and seeing a player you don't know and just, like, reading the stat line and thinking, yeah, I, mean, I know you're not supposed to scout the stat line, but, uh, you know, that you you know, get a sense of what you think of a player. I think if I had never seen Nimmo play and he was, you know, on San Diego, I'd be like, oh, young outfielder, 840, you know, that's, that's not bad. That's, you know, interesting. You know, that's, uh, you know, and yeah, but yeah, I agree with you that, you know, I'd read a lot of, and yeah, that, that I, I whatever you know, whatever little you know about scouting, I know about 10 times less, I would wager. Um, I cannot but, believe that. I, well, let's let's put ah. our poor scouting to the test in a game sometimes. Okay, <laughs> fair um, enough. I accept your challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I just feel like I whatever lack of scouting acumen I have, yeah, I defer to the experts who are usually right, and and you know, perhaps as a Met fan, you know, you tend to be naturally pessimistic at times as well. So you know, you keep telling yourself, like, well, this is a flash in the, you know, this can't be sustained, it, I shouldn't expect it to be sustained, uh, whereas, yeah, if it was just a average, a player in a vacuum and not on the Mets, I'd probably think, oh, it's a young outfielder who was a first-round draft pick who, you know, came up at, like, 24, 25 and showed this in 200 plate appearances, I'd be excited about that if I was a fan of Team X, but, you know, I might have tempered it, uh, for, for those reasons that you stated, Brian. I know Chris is behind on the stream, but it's so goddamn perfect that Nimmo just hit an RBI double while we're talking about how good Nimmo is. <laughs> yep, there's the point of the sky. Yeah, and the salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. All right. <laughs> yes. Gracious. The salt and pepper from above. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, obviously... You know, this is just this is uh, this is a, a, a bit of divine intervention here that we are able to be seeing, you know, Nimmo doing great things. As we're talking about Nimmo doing great things, um, but overall, oh, he smoked that double. Oh yes, he did. <laughs> oh yes, he did. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. You know, just just absolutely, uh, yeah. Um, well, the, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, and if we can come back to it. You know, uh, if you want to go somewhere else first, was just no, no, go for it. The the, the power he's shown, right? You know, um, five home runs in his time up in the big leagues last year was pretty good. Uh, he's got five already this year, and much fewer plate appearances. Uh, you know, that's a part of his game. That if he can be this, you know, four hundred ish OBP guy who hits twenty home runs, that's a really solid player. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just on runs, like the double where we were just all witnessing at different points of time. I was going to ask, Chris, doesn't he have like six doubles and five triples or somewhere around there? I don't, I don't have to, like, like I, I, I feel like, yeah. It's, yeah, five five and four, but yeah. Okay. 
But yeah, like, I mean, I, I, that's another thing I kind of thought if the homers weren't quite where a corner outfielder might be, but like, you know, the extra base hits are, you know, uh, is, is something that, you know, I think last year when I was trying to be optimistic about him, it was something I thought, well, you know, what if he had 15, 20 homers, but, you know, but yeah, it's like 30 doubles and 10 triples. That's, you know, that that's different than if he's more of a slap hitter. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's six doubles now that uh <laughs> i was trying to count that one chris there you <laughs> go <laughs> um yeah i think i mentioned to brian my, my unfortunately my wife's a big cardinal fan and she she actually said he, he reminds her a little of matt carpenter uh you know when he first came up which you know is probably optimistic but like i don't think he was the uh most highly regarded prospect and like was more of a you know on base you know, doubles hitter, which of course he came up as a second baseman. That's a little different than a corner outfielder. But, you know, again, like I just thought that one skill is, you know, something that you can build on maybe more so than, you know, raw power and a horrible batting eye. And I know there's many paths to success, but I I thought it was one that gave me cause to be optimistic about him. Well, the Cardinals thing is interesting because, you know, he'd kind of be the quintessential Cardinals guy. <laughs> oh, God. That, that is, that him, is right? very true. Yeah. You know, white kid from Wyoming, didn't uh, play high school baseball, and the Cardinals turned him into this, you know, magnificent major league hitter. Uh, would anybody be surprised if they did that like five times? The, the only thing less surprising would be if we traded him to the Cardinals for some <laughs> 16 lever and then he became this. <laughs> Yeah. For the girls, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess you know one of the things I wanted to talk about was just how it, the, the Mets have 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 this incredibly bizarre roster right now. Um, oh, who has a papa bed? Not me. My speakers are off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me double check. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was you guys. I'll, uh, I'll make sure everything else is closed on the that's computer. All right. That's all right. Um, but anyway, as I say, is you know the Mets roster is is absolutely bizarre right now, and there there's a number of players that, you know, well first of all, there are a number of players named Jose Reyes who should not be on the team. Let, let's start there. Um, <laughs> but you know the the Mets outfield situation is really bizarre right now because you got yeah right now you have Nimmo and Conforto starting spot every day, and then you have Bruce and Bautista starting you know more often than not at the moment. Cespedes will be back, hopefully quite soon, and uh, and then you have an infield that is that is bizarrely constructed as well with Adrian Gonzalez and you know Azul Cabrera and um, Ahmed Rosario, and then kind of a, a, a rotating gang at third base. So if Flores does have a disc injury, which is the the word on the street now, and you know and Frazier comes back soon, how do you? How do you guys keep Nimmo in this lineup every day? <laughs> I, I I have a plan that I've talked about on the podcast before, but uh, but Chris, how how would you keep Nimmo in the lineup every day? So he, I don't care if it's the lefty or righty. He's starting, you know, uh, if, if it's a full week, seven out of seven or six out of seven games, uh, regardless of who the opposing pitcher is, and then. Uh, you know, I mean, Cespedes, when healthy, is a guy who I'm I'm pretty much on that same thing with. Um, 
it's going to be an awkward situation, I guess. But to me, Bruce is either going to sit so Conforto can play or, uh, you know, play for a space if uh, you want to get Gonzalez some rest. But Bruce has to be the odd man out until he starts showing you something. Uh, that doesn't include Bautista in the equation. But, you know, I'm I'm putting my outfield of Cespedes, Conforto, Nimmo, you know, whichever one you want to put in the center. I'm rolling those guys out regularly. And then if somebody needs rest, you know, go with whatever's better in the platoon matchup. So I don't know how well, uh, you know, Bruce and Bautista would adapt to being bench players on a pretty full-time basis. But, you know, that's... It's something that they would just have to deal with. Rob, what about you? Um, wouldn't be much different than what Chris had to say. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, Nemo and Conforto in particular, not I mean, obviously Cespedes, but, you know, Cespedes is, you know, even though the Mets don't like to do that, uh, at least there might be occasions to rest him once in a while, you know, and get another outfielder, some at-bats, to, you know, to rest the legs and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, basically, Cespedes, Conforto, and Nemo are my close to everyday outfield. I'd probably, <clears throat> yeah, I know this isn't reality, but yeah, I would, I would go to you know Jay Bruce with his big contract, and like, yeah, I, I might be more willing to let him work it out at first base than Adrian Gonzalez, or you know, or just put the two of them on like, hey, this is, you know, one of you guys will be the pr- primary first baseman. Show us what you got. You know, I. I, I, Gonzalez has been a little better than I expected, but like I was not thrilled with that. And, you know, we were stuck with Bruce for three years, so I, I might give him a little more of a leash to try and get going at first. But if he's, I would just, if you're not interested in playing first, then you're not going to be playing for playing a lot of baseball, Jay Bruce. Uh, would basically be my attitude. Uh, I know that wouldn't be popular in the clubhouse or something, I guess, but, um, yeah, I, I I think I agree a lot with Chris that the outfield would, you know, th- those guys are producing or and have to be in there, and you know, and first base would be the spot where I'd, you know, plug in Gonzalez or Bruce or whomever. Yeah, my my plan is essentially you have to release Reyes, you have mm-hmm. you have to release Gonzalez or trade Gonzalez, although I don't know who's taking Gonzalez, but you know you have to get rid of Gonzalez. You have to put Bruce in as the more or less everyday first baseman. You have to put uh, Nimmo, Conforto, and Cespedes as your starting outfield. And then I think if you're only really talking then finding playing time for Bautista, you know, against a lefty here and there, I guess you can give, you know, you can give somebody else a day off. Uh, you know, maybe give Frazier. He also spell Frazier every now and then at third base, even though we know that's not a great position for him. It is a position he can play, and it's a position that without Flores, the Mets are you know somewhat limited at uh at, for third baseman. Uh, not really, but you know more so than than when, than when Flores was was playing every day. And you know, I it, it just it's a shame because I I like it when the Mets take a risk that pays off because I'm, I'm so not used to that. And, you know, going after Bautista, you know, even though they're paying, you know, paying him nothing, that w- that was a risky move on their part. And the fact that it's working out a little bit is a nice thing. But, mm-hmm. 
Batista for the rest of the season versus Nimmo for half for rest of the season is just not even a, it's not even a competition. You got to go with Nimmo. You have to. Um, I think yeah. I like plan best, Brian. I think you win. Why? <laughs> and, you, and you say you have no scouting <laughs> because I said to release Reyes. <laughs> yeah, like, any plan that starts with that is like gold. I mean, you, you, you know, play to the crowd. It's genius. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, I just I think you touched on you know I no I'll, or I'll blame you for your question. No, um, no, yeah, you touched on the the bench and more like yeah. I mean, having you know Reyes on the bench is I mean obviously a black hole, but like I I think I like the way if Baptiste is willing to accept that. Uh, you know, I, I actually do, in a way, think there's more of a place for him on the bench than, like, an Adrian Gonzalez if, if Bruce is the everyday first baseman. I, I just like the way you couched the, the fuller roster construction. I mean, it seems like we're all on the same page as far as, you know, who's, who should be playing in the outfield every day. Right. And, you know, there's just kind of little nuances. But I, you know, I, I kind of like the role you see for Bautista if he's... You know, comfortable with that. You know, well, that. thank you, Rob. With that, I said thank you. You're <laughs> um, do we know if um, if either Frazier or Batista has ever played any first base? Uh, Frazier has a little, and then Batista maybe a little. I think Frazier has slightly more experience there. Because that uh, might also be something if Bruce is really struggling versus lefties. You put one of them at first, and then you can let Batista play uh, third against lefties. Hmm. Yeah, that, that. Yeah, I think Frazier played some with maybe with the White Sox. I I think he was even. Yeah, uh, I mean, definitely more than if Batista has played any played a bit. Yeah, but, but this is the Brandon Nimmo podcast. What what the hell are we doing talking about Batista so much? Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're gonna have lots of other people talking about. Nimmo later in the show, but I, I guess um, you know there there's a moment in everybody's you know fandom when you sort of recognize like oh this guy's for real oh this guy is good what was what was for Ichi what was your sort of your 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 coming to Nimmo moment the moment when you realized this guy's for real the moment we found Nimmo is what you're trying to say <laughs> I set him up you knock him down Chris. Uh, <laughs> That did, that was not an enthusiastic endorsement. Yes, it was. I like that. I like that quite uh, a bit. Okay. All right. All right. But Rob, you can go ahead first. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little lame and you know, say I don't, I don't particularly have one. I, I did go to the game against the Reds last year when he hit two home runs, which uh, uh, it was very sparsely attended, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed, you know, as we've all noted over and over, his incredible enthusiasm at hitting two home runs in a meaningless September game and, you know, and the smile and the running around the bases. But as far as talent and ability, I mean, what I've enjoyed is it's kind of been gradual uh, for me, you know, and again, maybe it's always been tempered by that, you know, by the way, the, you know, scouting reports, uh, I'm going to be very curious to hear uh, what Steve has to say in the you know, as far as his original scouting report on Nimmo and whatnot, uh, you know, maybe it was always tempered and I've always been nervous. Like, I mean, honestly, I feel like this weekend in Milwaukee, I was kind of just like, 
oh wow, this is this is not going to stop, is it? Or it, it might not stop. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's been a gradual build of like, I like this guy, I want to see more of him. I hope he platoons in center field with Lagares or something. To oh, you know, maybe he could be an everyday player. To you know, just this crest of momentum uh, recently of like, wow, he, he does a lot and it's a joy to watch, not just not just because of the joy he brings to it, but, you know, just because of e-baseball. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of been a gradual thing for me, although I really do feel like this past week or so I've, has really started to solidify, you know, and, you know, as a Met fan, maybe I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and him to go <laughs> over 20 and be like, oh, I was wrong after all. But, uh, you know, it, I feel like it's been in nice enjoyable ride that i hope is going to continue to pick up speed chris what about you so uh not to sound too much like uh, i i saw him before he was big but <laughs> uh, not even so much in the, the minors before he came to class <laughs> but not even so much um anytime in the minors i think i did catch him uh, certainly at spring training a couple of times that I was down there uh, playing in games, whether that was you know major or minor league games. Uh, but I was at the game in person when he hit his first major league home run, and it may still be the longest home run he's hit. He hit one this year, but I think maybe had a, a chance of being farther than that one. Um, but that was just the moment. You know, I know uh, any one home run you can't read too much into, but... Uh, being there in person for it and seeing it, you know, it went it sailed into the bullpen uh, a little shy of the shape bridge, but, you know, one of those home runs that uh, looked like it had a chance of hitting it or, or you know, going through the uh, the beams of the shape bridge. So I think that maybe was just a wake-up moment for me of um, going, oh, okay, that's possible. Uh you know, and obviously that wasn't something that was really expected of him based on his minor league performance. Um, not that it, you know, everybody was saying, oh, there's no power in his game. But, yeah, that was it. I, I He's always been an easy guy to, to root for because of, you know, the sort of obscure baseball background and the fact that he's just so darn nice. I don't even say darn, but I'm saying it because of him. <laughs> So gosh dang nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, uh, that 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 was the one for me. Yeah, it's funny. I have the the same moment, Chris, but totally different circumstances. So um, my wife and I host a Fourth of July barbecue every year for my family, and my brother and sister in law were in town from Arizona two summers ago. And my brother and I went out to the bar to watch a Mets game together. And it was that, it was July 1st. It was, you know, that weekend. And uh, we're sitting at the bar watching the game. And he says to me, so this Nimmo guy, what's his deal? And I said, not going to be anything. And like a second later, he hit that towering home run. And my brother looked <laughs> at me and said, right as always, huh? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, it, it was a cla- And my brother is a, he's actually pitching in a baseball game tonight in Arizona. He still plays uh, semi-pro ball at 32 years old, and uh, so he he really has a sort of more of an eye for for natural talent and scouting and all of that than I do. And so you know he had never seen the guy at all, but happened to just you know perfectly put me in my place in that moment. And it, it was it was the first of many times that Nimmo surprised me, 
And ever since then, I've just kind of been, I guess, more open to him being a surprising player. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch the guy play. And that's that's what it comes down to for me. Um, so any any closing thoughts, gentlemen, about Brandon Nimmo? And and uh, I guess maybe we'll say, do we want to take a take a lucky guess at maybe what his uh, what his stat line will be at the end of the year? Uh, sure. I mean, I kind of like where it is now, uh, <laughs> which I guess is an easy answer, <laughs> but you know. 270 280 range for average uh you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna drop a 429 on base on him uh for over the full season but you know if we're talking maybe 275 400 and 525 that's a really good hitter it's a little bit down from where he is now maybe this is overly optimistic but i don't care uh yeah, we deserve to be optimistic once in a while, right, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, if he keeps getting hit by pitches at this rate, he'll get in that 420 on base percentage range. And, uh, uh, yeah, that, that was one thought that I had that you know coming into this. Isn't it nice to have a guy on the Mets who gets hit by pitches all the time? It's yeah. always the other way around. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I like what you know Chris has, had to say there. I mean, yeah, I don't want to – yeah, you don't want to – two pie in the sky, although I'll take it. But yeah, I, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, yeah, I hope they give him the opportunity to grow against lefties and, you know, knock him out of the lineup against lefties. And that might keep the average down, you know, yeah. If it's, you know, 265 to 285, that'd be great. But yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to see some, you know, that 400 on base percentage and slugging over 500. You know, I really, yeah, I, like I said, I don't know why just reminds me of like that Tigers era Curtis Granderson. Like I love like the, you know, he put up double digits and doubles, triples and homers. Like I, I that just delights me. That's just like my kind of player. I don't know. Um, you know, if, I, if we saw like 25 doubles, 10 triples, 18 homers, you know, I, I, Oh, that would be wonderful. Uh, and you know, I, I think he's shown enough that he could, you know, he's certainly on paces to do that. And, you know, I, as we've kind of been saying, I don't starting to get time to not wait for the other shoe to drop and believe. And you know, uh, I hope to see him there at the end of the year. Tigers era Granderson's a good comp. I mean, that's probably my could be high end, but but you know, I don't. I mean, that, that was kind of what I was thinking of uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I. I will be the slight pessimist of the uh, of the group here. I, I I say he'll probably bat about two fifty, with about a three ninety on base and about a four ninety slugging, which which still is not bad. Very good. Um, I I just I I'm uh, I've been burned too many times before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have to keep it uh, a little bit down from that. But yeah. Brandon Nimmo is a really fun baseball player who's good at playing baseball, seems like a good guy, and just a good story for the Mets. For a year where there's been so much just negativity around this team, it's nice to see Nimmo do well. Okay, we have Jenna here. Hi, Jenna. Hi. 
some of you may know her on Twitter as the girl that loves Nemo a lot. So um, we have her on here to talk about Nemo um, and how much we really like him as a player and as a person. So I guess we'll just start with uh, Jenna. You've met him before multiple times. Am I right? Yes, I have. Uh, I think three times now. How exciting. So can you tell me all about like how he is in person and if he like the person he is in person is exactly the type of person that we see on TV? It is truly the exact same person. And even then, I tell people that I wish everyone could meet him because you you know from seeing him play and seeing him in interviews that he is this bubbly, wonderful personality. But it's a totally different thing to meet him because he totally embraces you as if you're a friend of his. Um, Even if he's never met you before in his life. And it's just really wonderful. And I really do consider him a friend now, which is absolutely crazy because I am, (laughs) I am just a fan, but um, I'm very friendly with him and also his wife, who is a wonderful person. And they're just both great, great people. So. Yeah. And I think my favorite part about Brandon and how happy he is all the time is just how much he loves the game of baseball. And it's so infectious to watch on the field. And I feel like it spreads to a whole clubhouse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've said on multiple occasions, like, I really think he is the spark that this team needs. And you can see from the way he's been producing lately and the way everybody else that's on the team has been producing lately, that it has a sort of contagious effect. Yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that the second that Nimmo started getting into the lineup every day and leading off every day, the offense, which had been like really, really putrid, suddenly seemed (laughs) like it had life. (laughs) Exactly. And it's just been, I think that one of the bright spots, and I'm actually currently working on a piece for this for Mason Avenue, so not too much of a spoiler alert on that, but I think one of the great things um, for the past month, even though the team as a whole has looked pretty bleak and and awful, I think that one of the bright spots has been the trio of Nimmo, Rosario, and Conforto coming through, and that we can see the future doesn't look bad. We can see the future, and it's good, and Nimmo is a huge, huge part of it. Yes, I actually tweeted about that tonight. I was saying, um, Ahmed, uh, Brandon, and Michael, like, I love the young people. I love <laughs> being able to see the future in them and watching them every night um, and succeeding. It's just, it's a good feeling to know that we'll, we'll have this for a while um, to look forward to. So Yeah, definitely. I hope that the Mets ownership finally realizes that sometimes playing young guys can be good yes (laughs) yes um so let's see what else about Nimmo can we talk about oh we can talk about the fact that I'm kind of salty so you're 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 very on Twitter and so am I and I'm very salty that MLB like cut four posted a tweet today I'm pretty I'm sure that you saw it of like (laughs) the best smiles in Major League Baseball and and Nimmo was not there (sighs) oh It's a travesty. It's an atrocity. (laughs) I was very upset. But what I was thankful for is that Mets Twitter came through in the comments and revealed the hell out of it. I was a bit late to the party, but I looked at the replies and I saw everybody (laughs) fighting for him. I was like, oh, I'm so proud. Yeah. What's so? What's like? 
If you had to describe Mets Twitter in one sentence, how would you describe it? Oh, goodness. I'd say a very dysfunctional... <laughs> a very dysfunctional family. I, yeah. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Like, what's it like? It's It's really interesting to be just like a fan of a sports team and then you tweet some like like either like combination of like shit posts or just like really <laughs> funny things and then you just end up with like all these followers what's that been like you know i really don't i can't i couldn't explain it if i tried i don't know why people follow me i just do it for the fun of it but you know i really appreciate it um i've gotten beat writers to follow me now and I'm like I don't understand why you follow me but thank you so much Ty Kelly <laughs> follows me and that's like, awesome and I'm like I don't understand it but thank you so much and uh, it's funny because I tweeted him once I was like uh I don't know why you followed me but thank you and he said because I'm actually Brandon Nimmo's one, number one fan so that was, <laughs> that was really funny um, he's a funny guy, so I was very um, flattered that he would take the time to follow me and want to read my tweets. Um, but yeah, I'm, I wasn't expecting this to happen. I've been on Twitter for a while now, but um, things just started to pick up. And I'm doing things with good fundies now, so I'm getting more following from that. And it's just been really weird and crazy and somehow met Brandon Nimmo in the middle of it. So. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I'm still so jealous. Maybe someday I'll meet Brandon Nimmo. The closest that I've come to meeting quote a Met is I went to, so after Lucas Duda got traded in 2017, um, I live in Baltimore. So the, the Rays play the Orioles quite often. And mm -hmm. so, and I go to lots of Orioles games. And so I went, I, I purposefully picked a Rays Orioles game to go to later that season. And I got there really early and I wore Mets stuff and I made a big sign that says, we follow Lucas Duda. And he, oh, he, point, he pointed at me and he threw a baseball and waved and smiled and it made my whole day. <laughs> wonderful. I love that story. Yeah. Lucas Duda is actually really, really awesome. I kind of miss him a lot. <laughs> He's a gentle soul. Gentle the good soul. first baseman, as the green man would right. say. Ah, uh, the green man. I miss the green man. We miss him. We miss him at Amazing Avenue. We miss him dearly. But he is off to better things. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think what other, like, good Brandon Nimmo topics we can discuss. Do you have anything specifically Brandon Nimmo that, you, that you're dying to talk about? Well... The All-Star Ballot came out today. <laughs> mm, yes. And he was not on it, which I was expecting. Um, but I was more upset by the fact that there were other players on there who I felt didn't deserve it as much. So, yeah, it's very frustrating. That's controversial. Like like, who else was on there um, besides – there was, like, the obvious guys, and then there was, like, Jay Bruce was on it, which, whatever. Um, like, who else – I'm trying to remember, because I only looked at it, like, really early in the day, and now it's, like, 12 hours later, and I'm, like, having a brain melt and forgetting who else they put on there. Um, but, yeah, basically, almost everyone except now. <laughs> and I'm kind of just like, no. And it's it's very – 
it kind of is very frustrating. Like I was having a conversation with someone else about this today. It's like very frustrating because to me, it's indicative that they still like think Jay Bruce is a better player than Nimmo. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that. And he's not <laughs> since this moment in time. I was going to say, definitely not this year, if at all. Um, and I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I like, I actually like Jay Bruce probably more than the rest of like Mets world does. And no, I really I think want- well, I think he's a solid player just this year. Not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just, I, I was hoping that they would do a lot more of Jay Bruce at first base than they have done, um, to get Brandon Nimmo in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Cespedes comes back. I'm really, really hoping that they do that more, but I don't know. It's it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be like a fifty-fifty chance that I maybe like Jay Bruce. They have something there at first base. I think he's looked the best defensively that he has this year at first base. Not in the yeah. Outfield. Oh my god, and he's been like like a liability in the outfield. I mean, like his defense was definitely not the most touted thing about him when he came to the Mets, but at least when he first started with the Mets, I was kind of like, I was almost expecting worse. I was like, eh, he's like fine in right field, but this year he's been pretty dreadful. And I think that most of it is the plantar fasciitis messing with him. Um, but either way, no matter what it is, it's a problem. And he's looked perfectly good defensively at first base. So I think it's the solutions pretty obvious but they seem to be in love with playing adrian gonzalez too for some reason (laughs) (sighs) the mets outfield situation becomes quite interesting once despotus returns from the disabled list because obviously despotus has to play um Mm -hmm. and that will make the lineup much better once he comes back and but jose bautista who they got to just like kind of fill in while their outfield situation was desperate is like the best hitter on the team or like one of the best hitters on the team right now, weirdly. So it's going to be kind of strange when you have like four outfielders who based on their stat lines deserve to play every day, but not all four of them are going to. And I worry about Nimmo and I really want him to keep playing, but I worry about it. People say to me, they say when Cespedes comes back, he's getting benched. And I'm like, well, it wouldn't surprise me at this point, but I really, really hope that he's done enough in the time that he's been able to play that that won't happen because Mickey said himself that, Nimmo is our leadoff hitter now, so I'm hoping that he will stick to that, um, even when Cespedes comes back. But again, like there's the issue of all the other outfielders that need to play. Um, there's Conforto, who I'm not sure if, if he's out of his slump or he's still in it somewhat. Uh, uh, yeah, he's had a strange season. I think he's like mostly, mostly out of it. Um, it's, it, I mean, a lot of it clearly had to do with the fact that he didn't have a real spring training, I think. And mm-hmm. like the first month he just like, wasn't seeing the ball well at all. And just wasn't the power was gone, which was the most disconcerting thing. I was worried that he was maybe still hurt quite frankly, but I think that now I'm like, my fears about that are gone, but yeah, I think he's mostly out of it. Um, there's still like one or two times where I see him and I'm like, is he fully out of it? But I think that, you know, he's at least like 90% there, if not all the way there. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting outfield situation to be sure. And Nimmo's, Nimmo's put himself in the thick of it. And we have no other leadoff, clear leadoff hitters at all on this team. Mm-hmm. 
you can't just bench the guy that like is like top in the league and on base percentage when he's leading off for you and say, nope, <laughs> that guy is yeah. a bench player now. I agree with that. Plus, he's the only guy besides Rosario that has any speed on the team now that Ligaris is hurt. I believe he is. I tout this stat all the time because I just wasn't expecting it. But he's the second fastest person on the team, I believe, behind Ahmed. So, yep. (laughs) Which says something about the level of speed on the Mets and how the Mets are constructed. But I mean, he's definitely got very, very good speed and underrated speed. And I think that that like helps him in the outfield too. I think it gives him more range than people expected he would have as a big leaguer. Like, I think that like, I mean, uh, obviously Steve Saipa is the expert on this and he's going to have a segment here and he can correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure when he was coming up, he wasn't touted as the, as the best outfielder really. Like he was, he was, tout- he was like, they said that he wouldn't, wouldn't really be a center fielder for one. And that at the corners, he was going to be like, eh, okay, fine. I think he's exceeded those expectations a lot defensively. I think he's been more than fine in the corners. He's been great in the corners. And, like, you know, fine in center. Yeah, similar to Conforto, I think, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. With maybe, like, a slightly, like, I think Conforto has a slightly better arm. I think Conforto's Mm -hmm. better arm than Nemo does. But other than that, I think speed-wise, he gets to the ball well. He takes good routes. He's, like, he's a really good outfielder. And, you know, so it's hard to argue that he should be a bench player when both sides of the ball, he's outperforming Jay Bruce. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what's up with Jay Bruce. Do you think that he's going to, like, do you think he's going to break out at some point? <sighs> he is a streaky player um, that's been shown in the past. Um, but I worry that with this injury that it's just um, prevented him from ever um, getting over that hump at all. Um, because he didn't have that problem in the past few years this is a totally new issue um yeah I wonder how much it's like the the injury is really affecting him and I wonder if they should just you know put him on the DL for a while I don't know how that much that would help to be honest it's like a weird chronic injury so like getting time off can never hurt but I don't know it's not going to make it go away that's for sure yes I worry with the you know the Mets like are always mismanaging injuries all the time and they did it to Cespedes and now that's why he's out for so long now Mm -hmm. um and I'm worried that they'll just like keep trotting Bruce out there and then he's just gonna get hurt and that doesn't help anyone (laughs) yeah um so what do you think so overall picture of the Mets so right now they've obviously had a really poor month of May after having a pretty good month of April. So it's kind of it's balanced out to them basically being a 500 team. Do you think that they're a 500 team for the season, or do you think they're an over 500 team, or do you think they're an under 500 team? I'd like to believe that they're an over 500 team. Uh, I was a bit worried. Um, I still am a bit worried um, watching them over. Uh, the past month or so, that maybe this is what they are. Maybe that the first few weeks um, were just a fluke, and this is the sort of regression to the mean, and this is the team that we have, and this is the team that we're stuck with. Um, But we do have to remember that 
Um, this isn't necessarily the team that we started with. Um, we don't have Todd Frazier, and I think he was really, really instrumental to that run in the beginning. Of yeah, for the sure. So I, I'd like to reassess when he comes back um, and see what what that does to the team then, because I do think that um, he is an instrumental piece in the team succeeding. So it'll be interesting to see that. And with your May here as well, hopefully, um, sure. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> but he stays and Reyes goes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm definitely one of the, like, hardcore DFA Reyes people, and I have been kind of since day one. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's kind of... And, again, it speaks to this unfortunate pattern that Nimmo's being affected by, Guillaume's being affected by it, too. The fact that they, you know, they trust their veteran guys, um, and Reyes is one of those guys. Um, and it's... I, I, I just don't... I don't see him being DFA'd yet. Not when Frazier comes back. At least, I think that like they're gonna they're gonna send Guillaume down or is Evans still here? They sent him down today, didn't they? Mm-hmm. For the pitcher, never mind. I was gonna say he would be the next he would be the next victim, but I think <laughs> unfortunately Guillaume is down before before um, Reyes is DFA'd. I hate to say, but I think it is true. Um, I I want to be wrong. <laughs> I want to be wrong, but. So what do you think that, um, so we talked about like the Mets and where do you, where you think they're going to be at the end of the season? Where do you think Brandon Nimmo is going to be at the end of the season? Like how, how many, like what's, what do you see as his final stat line mm. at game 162? I don't know overestimate because the fan in me says he's gonna bat 300 but that's ridiculous um (laughs) (laughs) maybe like a respectable 280 (laughs) yeah i i agree i think he's gonna be about 280 on base percentage probably i i like to think the on base percentage hovers around 400 maybe like a little bit below like 390 um and I think he could hit, like, how many home runs does he have already? More than, like, I think people thought he would have. He, he's definitely, I feel like, hitting for more power this year, which is great because nobody thought he would do that. Yeah. Um, m- more doubles and triples than ever, so that's great. Um, how many home runs does he have? I'm not sure. Uh, I forget. I can Google it real fast. <laughs> Brandon Nimmo, how many home runs do you have, Brandon Nimmo? Because I want to find, I want to like predict how many he's going to end up with, and I think it can be somewhere in the like he has five right now, so I think that it can end up somewhere in the like the fifteen range. Yeah, that's I, I was about to say that the fifteen twenty range. Yeah, yeah, and right now he's at one point four B WAR, Baseball Reference WAR for the season. So I could see him being a three three WAR player at the end of the year. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like a good major league baseball player. <laughs> Hello, Mets. <laughs> Brandon Nimmo's a good major league he baseball player. He's a good baseball player. <laughs> please from the please play him. <laughs> Read the room, Mets. Read the room. 
Anyway, thanks for coming on, Jenna. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, and Jenna, what's your Twitter handle so people can follow you on Twitter? Oh, at Jenna Ashlyn, everybody. That's J-E-N-N-A-A-S-H-L-Y-N. She's one of the best Mets people to follow on Twitter, y'all. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) I love, I love our Twitter interactions. I hope they can continue. I'm trying to be like a Mets Twitter in training. I'm getting there. I'm like learning slowly. Yes, please be more active. Yes, I will try. So, um. And I am uh, at Petite PhD on Twitter, so give me a follow if you feel like it. It's mostly Mets stuff. Occasionally, I'll, like, throw a science thing at you because that's what <laughs> my life when I'm not thinking about the Mets. Um, so thank you so, so much, Jenna. I appreciate it. No problem. Love talking Nimmo with you. Anytime I can have an excuse to talk Nimmo with someone who likes him as much as I do, if not way more than I will take that opportunity so absolutely thank you for letting me gush about him of course <laughs> hey everybody this is steve saipa and because this is a very brandon nemo centric episode i want to look back at his history vis-a-vis the draft and what he's become nemo was the very first guy to be drafted after sandy olsen took over and he was selected with the 13th overall pick in the 2011 draft After Bubba Starling and Josh Bell, who were basically the two top consensus high school outfielders in the draft, Nimmo was widely considered to be the third best, or at least up there in the conversation. He was a well-rounded athlete with an advanced approach at the plate. He projected to have some power. He had the ability to play center, and a lot of people thought he'd be able to stick there. If you go back and read the report that Alex Nelson wrote on Nimmo, He saw Nimmo as kind of growing into a guy that could conceivably hit 280 with 20-plus home run power and the ability to steal a handful of stolen bases. So a guy kind of like Jason Wirth or Stephen Biscotti or Christian Yelich. Now, obviously, in the years since, Nimmo didn't exactly develop like that. Uh, Ironically, the raw high schooler, who was more projection than established track record, he became uh, a hitter with a super-advanced approach at the plate as if he'd been playing organized ball for years and years and years. If you remember, because he's from Wyoming, Nimmo's ability to play baseball is very limited because Wyoming is just empty. He only really got to play in American Legion travel ball. So um, on the minor league team a couple of years ago, it kind of became like a joke and a meme to believe in Brandon Nimmo's swing changes since there definitely were more than a few. But obviously, things worked out for him. Um, even as recent as a year or two ago, people were saying that his ultimate ceiling was, you know, fourth outfielder or on the long side of the long side of the platoon situation. Since he hits righties a lot better than he hits lefties, but something's gotten into Nimmo this year, and he's outperforming all expectations. Um, he's not a qualified hitter just yet, but if you look at uh, outfielders with at least 130 plate appearances. Nemo is, as I record this, sixth in all of baseball with a one eighty with a one seventy one weighted wins created plus. That's ahead of Manny Machado, Freddie Freeman, Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, and plenty of other big names. Would I prefer Nemo to any of those guys? Absolutely not. But baseball's a quirky game sometimes, and that's an enjoyable little quirk, and we should all enjoy it while it lasts. Looking back at the 2011 draft, there are still a few players that were selected after Nimmo that would have been 
better for the Mets to pick. Uh, they had better careers. Jose Fernandez, obviously, but also Sonny Gray. He was selected 18th. And Colton Wong, he was selected 22nd. But Nimmo's actually already doubled his career war accumulation with what he's done this season. And it looks like the Mets are going to be really giving him an extended look with Lagarde's out for the season and Cespedes out for who knows how long. So we'll see. Regardless of whatever Nimmo does from here on in, though, I think we can say that his selection was, at the very least, a success. folks that does it for another installment of amazing avenue audio thank you so much for listening we truly appreciate it we would appreciate it if you went to apple podcasts and rate review and subscribe to the show those things help us quite a bit and we would be in your debt forever if you did that maybe not forever but we'll be thankful for you at least for a couple days uh please go to amazingavenue.com check out all the amazing writing by all of our contributors to the show tonight as well as um you know just fun stuff like the mets mind boggler and we have a great community that comments on everything we do, but especially in the game threads. We have just really, really passionate commenters. So if you want to talk about the Mets with some people, go to Amazing Avenue, join the community there. We'd love to have you. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can download this show from blogtalkradio.com, from Stitcher, from Apple Podcasts, from your podcatcher of choice. Uh, you can also follow all of us individually on Twitter. I am at Brian Nizanab. Chris is at Chris McShane. Allison is at Petite PhD. Steve is at Steve Saipa. And Rob Wolf is at Wolf with two F's RR. So W O L F F R R. Follow him. He's a good dude. I hope to have him on the show more often. We had a lot of fun with Rob this week. And so, until next time, let's go Mets. <laughs>